talk trash about the things people love to hate and hate to love and we're your hosts Shelby and Matt yes we're back from the break and yes. I feel like I have Happy a New lot Year. of things to discuss there's so much stuff going on in the world the news is newsing I feel like good <laughs> good vibes yeah no it's been a chaotic uh start to 2024 lots of weird stories wild stories interesting stories um I feel like I know what you're going to start with. <laughs> well, I mean, maybe. But did, do you have any New Year's resolutions, I guess, to just oh my start gosh. before? No. How has no. your 2024 been? Are you, have you set any intentions? Are you intentions, doing any mantras? No. I've chosen a word called now. Um, I don't, I don't, <laughs> I don't have anything. No, I guess I just um didn't even think about it we were traveling on new year's day so like it all just blended together and i never have really valued it as like a moment in time so i have not thought about it um do you have any are you are you a I'm really not a New Year's resolution person. (laughs) Like a couple of years ago, I was sort of like, okay, I'm going to like say yes to everything this year, you know, like to more things. And I feel like that worked well in my favor. Um, So, you know, keeping that up, but I think that was maybe two years ago. This year, I will say through currently eight days of 2024, it's been chaotic. Yeah. I think starting out the year watching the Sydney Sweeney, Glenn Powell uh, <laughs> rom-com really set the tone oh, for the year, uh-oh. which which is kind of like, oof, um, <laughs> but in a weird way. So yeah, a lot it's of, not, not a lot of bizarre out. stuff going on. Not necessarily anything like terrible, yeah. terrible, but just a lot of like, huh. I saw this... Um... I don't know, sort of astrological thing that was like, well, actually, this is the end of the year still. And so you shouldn't really make any, like you shouldn't really make any new resolutions or attempt any new change or make Oh, yes, until Aries season? Yeah, I don't remember. So I was like, oh, okay, so I'm off the hook. I'm good. I'm good. Well, I mean, yeah, that's because we're still in Capricorn, which is the last sign of the zodiac, actually. (laughs) So. So we're still, yeah, the, okay, the, so the astrological new year yeah. starts the 21st, the 22nd, somewhere in there. Okay, perfect. Um, so we have, so we have, some, so we have some time. So yeah, this is actually, this weirdness yeah. is actually just 2023 continued. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah, we yeah. will not be accepting it. Yeah, exactly. Okay, great point, great It's going to be a flawless, beautiful, calm, um, positive, uh, learning and growing phase, just as all election years are. <laughs> well, I am carrying with me one particular celebrity in 2024. I'm oh, trying to yeah. channel her energy. Yep. Do you know who that celebrity is? Coming. I mean, I'm I'm pretty positive, but maybe maybe you're thinking of Real Housewives. Like I don't know at this point. No, I'm thinking of Gypsy Rose Blanchard. Uh, yeah, that's the one. <laughs> the queen, the icon, who may or may not have been involved with her mother's murder, but went to jail. Well, she paid was. Her time. Well, she was. 
She was. She that's was. why she went to jail. And well, yeah, yes, <laughs> okay, sure. That's, but that's been a proven and accepted and admitted fact. I think she even has yes. said. So I did this but, thing, but she did. She paid her time. Her yeah. mother was also a terrible person. Yeah, and now she is thriving. She, I mean, she's yeah. only can been you, out for like six days. But can you tell me this? Okay, this obsession. Like I, I. I've known her name, right? Because that story was a big deal. Then it was like made into 17 movies. I don't know. Um, but what did she do on release that made her you, like everyone's new favorite, especially in the queer community? <laughs> yeah. The gays love Gypsy. Getting hashtag tipsy for Gypsy. Yeah. Um, I think, I mean, one gays just in general love a sort of female underdog type storyline <laughs> okay. like they they love someone who like the mainstream is sort of pushed aside and championing them that's when I love like random like passed over pop stars and weird character mm. actresses and that kind of there's there's I think some sort of odd kinship to like being out of the mainstream so I think that is part of it but, um, like, it came then, on immediately it, so oh it's yeah not like we rejected well, her and then no no, but I think that there, like, there's something about the fact that she was in prison. Like, well, I mean, just her story in general is wild. Yeah. So I think that yeah. people were keyed in on that. But then, like, she got married while she was in prison. She was somehow, like, filmed a whole Lifetime series. Oh, wow. um, And then she seems just, like, very kind of lovely and wholesome, <laughs> I think, in her presentation so far she's made all of these like social media videos that are so cute she's like so kind of out of it she, uh, like clearly someone from her team was like let's do a get ready with me video and she's like i so she's filming one but she's like i don't really even know what this is like i've never done one of these i don't like like i haven't seen one of these i haven't had a mm. phone so uh she did like an outfit of the day but <laughs> everything she's wearing was from Zara that she'd just gotten like the day before. So I don't know. She's just like so funny, I think in sort of a like innocent way that I am just obsessed. I well, love this her. This is interesting because the one story I keep seeing is that she's like, Oh, don't come for my husband. His dick is fire. So it's like that. Well, yes, that doesn't there's mean also wholesome, that. You know what I mean? Well, no, I mean, okay, that maybe not that, but it's like, um, but I don't know. She just seems like just very naive, sweet just, and innocent. Yeah. yeah. And sort of, it's like, she's been out of the world for, I mean, she was so sheltered yeah. before. And I yeah. think it's just kind of like celebrating this new lease on life of like, yeah, she was, she endured this horrible like tragedy of being like basically poisoned by her mother for years. Then she finally got out of that and headed straight to jail yeah. where she spent. And so now she's 30 something and she's like just arriving in life and she's like ready to go for it. She's like, this yeah. is my first time in New York city. I love it. Um, and I don't know. I'm just like, I'm rooting for her. Yeah. I want her to have a, a wonderful life. I also feel like for myself and maybe you can relate to this to a certain degree. I just really love narratives that are sort of like, I got out of this like terrible thing, you know, like yeah. these people were like trying to like lock me down in this bad situation and I like got out of it and now have a new lease on life. Like I relate to that storyline. So yeah. I feel like whenever I see that, I'm like, uh, yes, like get it girl. Um, no, I mean, I love, you know, um, reformative justice i i 
I guess it's more, I'm curious, like what, <laughs> like what's her next step? Like, what are we rooting for? Like, is she just like, I, is she doing a show? Is she promoting something or she's just saying, look, I yeah, know. Well, she's, she's promoting like her, this lifetime show or whatever oh, okay. that she has currently. That's like what she's on this press tour for. Oh, okay. Um, will I watch it? Probably not. But anyways, <laughs> um, I, I'm excited for her to kind of have like a, I don't know, like a weird niche, like influencer kind of career. She doesn't seem to me like somebody who's going to end up being like, um, like, I think she just wants to kind of live a normal life. So I'm just imagining content coming from her that's like, I went to Dunkin' Donuts today, you know, like (laughs) that kind of stuff. Like, I don't picture her moving to LA and like launching a fashion career or something. But I'm just kind of, yeah, I'm like, I want, I'm along for the ride of this person, like, (laughs) like discovering what living a life is like you know yeah no because like she went she got out and she went to burger king and it was there was like a whole thing of like oh my gosh like she'd heard so much about burger king but she'd never been to burger king she like wanted to go you know it's just like crazy stuff like that that i'm fascinated by okay okay i get it thank you that makes sense i'm i'm happy for her and for everyone happy for her so she said her favorite taylor swift song is karma Oh, perfect. <laughs> so, well, speaking of Taylor Swift, um, did you see any of this like drama over the last week when the New York Times published an op-ed about her sexuality? Yes, the Gaylor op-ed. Yes. I only saw this briefly, like I didn't do any research into this, but yeah. Taylor has yeah. really been like everywhere as I mean, I guess it's part of it has to do with the tour, but um, I feel like she really, after the Joe Alwyn breakup, she was like, I will be everywhere at all times. <laughs> and and then people have been like picking up on that and truly writing as many articles as they can. Oh, yeah. I mean, of course, the coverage is insane. And that's like, whatever. But um, the op-ed was by a staff writer. So it's like a pretty established New York Times writer. Um, but it was very long. And I read the whole thing because, you know, I love a good Gaylor. Yes. And I honestly love when people connect the dots and like make lists that are like, see, she did this and this. And it was National Lesbian Awareness Day and like all of this. And I can just imagine Taylor fuming that that she's created this monster. Um, So it was like it was kind of a meandering article that basically was like, it's okay to guess if she's queer because it's like that possibility can be empowering to. I, uh, audiences and it's like we can't we can't reject the possibility of queerness because that's homophobic and so I don't know it's just the same argument but to have it in the New York Times instead of on like a Tumblr blog is a new step um, and that happened and then immediately the next day um, they released her team her associates came out with a statement um, that said that this article, there seems to be no boundaries some journalists won't cross when writing about Taylor, regardless of how invasive, untrue, and inappropriate it is. Um, they said that this has drawn the ire of the pop superstars associates, and they went straight to CNN to like share their frustrations. Um, and it's like a pretty straightforward piece that's like the artist who has said that she's a straight out al- a queer ally or whatever. So it's like, it seemed like, you know, Tree Payne was in there writing her little response. And I feel like this was a final straw for her. Like, I don't, I feel like if she had 
been interested in coming out or been queer, this would have been the time to be like, okay, leave me alone type thing. But now it's like she's in this tough position where she can't talk about it without sounding like Sean Mendez talking about it, where it's like he's like coming across as sort of uh, self-hating and depressed about the idea of being gay. Um, but it's also like, I don't know. I think it's interesting the way that this was responded to without having a direct response like from her when she jumps on to give essays on other things that um, bother her, you know? Yeah, I mean, it is sort of fascinating that she just doesn't like release a statement that's like, I... (laughs) Um, straight like I never like the relationship with Carly Kloss was very you know like we were just friends or you know what that sort of just nips it in the bud once and for all like I I understand in some ways like not wanting to um you know like have to address every single thing but it's like at the same time if it's bothering you which it seems to be bothering her then I don't know why you just like it's it feels like it would be pretty easy to nip it in the bud. I mean, obviously, like, in the case of Sean Mendez, everyone's like, yeah, no, we actually don't believe you. Like, this feels, <laughs> well, like, exactly. fake. But I but I do feel like Taylor Swift fans are a different type of person. Like, I think if she released a statement and said something, like, her fans are pretty loyal, and at least, like, the vast majority of them would be yeah. like, okay, like, she said this, like, then that's true. Yeah. And that then... And that those fans would not be pleased with the people who like kept bringing on the Gaylor thing. And yeah. I don't know, you know, would sort of, I don't know, I feel like it would at least rid itself of like New York Times esque pieces right. <laughs> um, if she made that statement. But I mean, she like obviously has dated lots of guys. So, you know, she's just there's... really resisting the the turning of having to come out as straight. I think it's like the audacity to not assume her straightness, you know? (laughs) Well, she also, I mean, like she is, she is someone who is like very particular about certain things. Like there's certain things that really seem to like piss her off. And then other things that seem to not like, I, she's, she seems like sort of an odd person in some regards. So I can kind of see like her, I don't know, like getting on some sort of high horse about like not wanting to make a statement for some reason. Um, But yeah, I don't know. It's just like, well, we have all of this sort of like information uh, and you have created this army of monsters who are like looking for Easter eggs and clues in things. So you you sort of like, I don't know, can't have your cake and eat it too. It's like, yeah, if you're if you're gonna want people to be looking into every little thing you do because there might be some sort of hint at something, then you also sort of can't be upset when they're looking into things and find stuff that you like maybe don't want them to or come to conclusions that you don't want. You know? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no, we'll know. see how it goes. I mean she still is, you know, she spent um, Christmas at the freaking Chiefs game, so whatever. Um, it's more fascinating to me to see the mainstream, to see the Gaylor stuff become more mainstream. <laughs> and imagine Taylor just losing it over this beast she's created. 
Well, especially because nothing from, like, nothing that supports any of that evidence has come out recently, right? Like, isn't the most recent, like, woman who she's supposedly been oh, tied well, to? the way she Carly writes Kloss? her songs. Her songs oh, yes, yes, yes. So there's yes, a lot of there's language that in that. Right. That has been recent that people are yes. like, can she be any more obvious? <laughs> right, yes. No, and that's true. <laughs> yeah. Um, but no, uh, sh- trying times for her. Really difficult um, thoughts and mm. prayers. Um, I feel like I would be remiss if we didn't talk about the biggest pop culture moment of 2024 so far, which is the Real Housewives of Salt Lake City <laughs> finale. Have you seen anything about this I've or been following this at all? I don't know. I don't understand exactly what went down, but I've seen many a clip and excited jaw-dropping meme and emoji so receipts screenshots timelines every effing thing uh incredible <laughs> um so for those who are unaware uh this is season four of the real housewives of salt lake city there um there's been like a, a pretty stable cast for the entire show but they brought in this new woman monica um Garcia this season for season four as a new housewife. She was previously the assistant to Jen Shaw, who is the housewife who got like arrested in season two. Turned out she was scamming a bunch of old people, taking their money, um, like on a telemarketing scheme. She's now in prison. So the casting of Monica was a little bit odd because they just made her a full-time housewife, which, you know, a lot of times they'll sort of like bring people on as like a friend of, give them some screen time, sort of see how they do. They just like cold brought her on. And then also um, she is a, a decent amount younger and also more, I would say like lower middle class than most of the housewives, you know, especially at the beginning when the franchise were created, these were, you know, richy rich people who were yeah. most often like married to well-to-do men. Over the years, it's gotten less of like, oh, they're housewives and more of just like they're sort of like successful women. Like some of them are married to rich guys, but a lot of them are, but they're you know, all have really rich, businesses or right? entrepreneurs. But yes, but they're all rich. So Monica is not really rich. There's a whole scene in this season where she, you know, is talking about how she went and bought a, like a, her first designer purse because she wanted to fit in with the women, but it was too much money. And so like now she's she's like crying that she like spent this mon- amount of money on this bag that she doesn't need, but because she wants to fit in with them. Um, so this whole season, everybody has really loved her. It's kind of been like having an everyman on the cast, especially it, we're in the fourth season with some of these like women who are rich and kind of petty. And so Monica's like been calling them out on things. Um, one woman lost a $60,000 ring in an airport bathroom early on in the season and was complaining about it. And Monica's like, you know, it's sort of hard to sit here and listen to you complain about losing a $60,000 ring. Like that's way more expensive than anything most people have and the woman's like that's not true like lots of people have rings like this it's like uh, maybe not um but so as the season has progressed uh like monica sort of become a fan favorite um Mm -hmm. and and people like her but we keep getting this but the but then there's obviously because it's real housewives we're getting information as to what's happening real and real time 
at the same time as the show is airing because the you know the filming of this was months ago so there's rumors going around like no none of the cast is talking to monica there's some sort of lawsuit between monica and this woman heather's like um beauty uh like spa and that she didn't pay her and i don't know there's just all kinds of things like sort of lurking around the internet that there is something amiss between monica and the the other five women on the show and at the same time we're also getting these teasers for this you know finale and they love to do a teaser that you know makes it look super dramatic and then it turns out that it's not actually something dramatic but so i think uh, people were kind of like yeah we'll see but thought that it might be something interesting so then the finale comes this is last week last tuesday and it is just incredible television. Like the way that they set it up with like flashbacks and stuff is incredible. The um like the music, the way it's shot, but basically Heather through sort of like some detective work that she's been doing all season, like because she is unclear on some things that Monica has said, comes to find that Monica is actually running a sort of like um uh, an Instagram account called Real, yeah, called Reality Von Tees that has been publishing all of this negative information about the housewives, and is part of the reason why Jen Shaw actually went to jail. So, <laughs> like, so this woman comes onto the show pretending to be a housewife, but actually like trying to get information to sort of take them down, like she's already done before, and so the women like. So Heather like calls the other OG housewives like down to the beach and is like, we have to confront her. She's reality Von Tees. We have to confront her at dinner. She's been lying to all of us. She's been, you know, spreading rumors about us and and taking pictures and things and and trying to undermine us at the same time while she's pretending to be our friend. And they're in Bermuda. So they have this like Bermuda Triangle themed dinner where Heather like calls her out. And then we get this montage of all of the stuff that Heather's done. And and uh, Monica is like admits to being reality Vontees. Also, in the season, in season three, there was this whole giant thing about Heather getting a black eye, and she wouldn't <laughs> say how she got it. And nobody really knew how she got it. And it was this whole annoying thing. And then in the season finale, while she's confronting Monica, she also admits that the black eye came from Jen Shaw. That Jen Shaw hit her in the face while they were on vacation in season three but that because jen was like going through legal trials heather felt like she couldn't say anything um and so it was just like a jaw-dropping finale so she, and now sorry i just have questions because i saw that clip and i was like oh yeah what's her point like how is that relevant so she's saying i protected my friend even though she punched me in the face and yet here you are like backstabbing everyone so one of the like weird (laughs) no like so one of the things with jen and something that heather says a lot because so heather's mormon or was mormon and she's since like left the mormon faith and so a plot that kind of comes up a lot is that she is really like ride or die for people and sort of like sticks with people even when she shouldn't because she's sort of been conditioned to like just sort of believe what somebody tells her and goes along with it. And so she's really trying harder to sort of Mm -hmm. break out from that. So like with the Mormon faith, she's, she's, you know, broken ties and is like, no, I can't go back that she, she's just trying to sort of like start her own, um, 
And so with Jen, she obviously became friends with Jen. Jen is sort of like an abusive person. She is, uh, you know, scamming all these people out of money. And yet Heather, for whatever reason, felt like she really needed to stay loyal to Jen through the trial and Jen going to prison and didn't say anything. And, you know, like was actively supportive of her and sort of saying like, you know, this is our friend. Like we got to do what's best for her and then we'll deal with whatever else later. And so with Monica, she's like, we cannot keep doing this. Like if this Mm. is a bad person, we have to call them out and get rid of them. Like we cannot be hanging out with these bad people anymore. And so then she's like, for example, Jen gave me a black eye and I didn't say anything about it. And I don't want to do that anymore. So Monica, your bad news, like get out. Um, but the this reunion. This is also interesting because, oh, sorry. Oh, I was going to say that, but there's a three part reunion coming up where three Monica, parts. like, yes, three episodes. That's pretty common for Real Housewives. The reunions are usually always a couple episodes long because they have a whole season and they really ask them like, uh, yeah, like like they ask them some tough questions. It's not like a easy like chit chatty yeah. reunion. They're like, you wore an ugly dress in this episode. Like, why did you pick out this dress <laughs> that's hideous and everybody hated? And they'll sort of be like, uh, you know, <laughs> like it's but crazy. She's still on the show. Like she's now a main character because she's the villain, right? Well, so that's the thing that people don't know. And it's interesting about this is like, will she come back for season five? Like, because I think at the moment, the other housewives haven't seen, according to this reunion commercial, between the time that they went to Bermuda and the reunion was just filmed a couple of weeks ago, they had not had any contact with her. So I don't think that they would like to keep filming with her. However, yeah. obviously, Bravo like knows that that would be good TV. I think that the women know that that would probably be interesting for the show. So it's unclear to me on whether or not they'll, she'll end up coming back um, at least right away, or if maybe she'll come back later. The other thing that's confusing is how much Bravo actually knew about this. (laughs) Nobody has figured out whether like Bravo when they were casting Monica knew that she was reality Von Tease or suspected that and sort of brought her onto the show because they thought that obviously like when somebody found out that would be incredible ratings or if they just sort of cast her because, you know, she was good TV all season separate of that. And that then they sort of realized when Heather did that right. Monica was reality Von Tease. So it's, it's a, uh, I don't know. There's a lot of questions that I think everybody has about the situation, but it is fascinating stuff. But do people still like Monica or do you feel betrayed by her as a viewer? I mean, I don't care. Like, (laughs) and I think most of the viewers are, I mean, the housewives are always like, they're coming after my family. They're trying to ruin my life. And it's always like, okay, well, you guys are millionaires. Like you live in these fancy houses. Like everything's, it feels kind of fake, which I think is the, joy of the housewives and why when things get a little too real it's like uh like people don't like that as much like it we like the sort of petty drama like season one of of salt lake city there was this whole plot line because one of the housewives told the other housewife that they smelled like hospital and that like that's the kind of stupid drama we like so i think that this is all kind of petty and i have been enjoying it and i really like monica because the housewife who i hate the most is lisa and monica also hates Lisa, so they get into fights. Um, so I'm kind of like read Bad Mormon. Lisa is the instigator of the whole show, isn't she? Yes, <laughs> she is. Wow. 
But she's like really delusional in her own <laughs> I like, place. That. She's the one who lost the ring. She also had a meltdown earlier this season because they uh, they went to like a hotel that was owned by a drag queen and for like the dinner they were supposed to all dress up in drag makeup and she was like I can't do that like I have my glam team like there's no way I can not be pretty and they were sort of like but the but like the point of the dinner is we're all going to dress up in drag makeup so we're all going to look ridiculous and she like ha- cried and stormed off and refused to wear it and like it was a whole to do because she just couldn't like look ugly at this dinner and it's like girl like get it together Wait, why this do you is embarrassing. Have, why does drag ugly? Well, it's not. That's the thing. <laughs> and all the rest of these houses are like, it's a funny thing. Like, yeah, we wear like more eyeliner and a wig. Right, and Lisa's it's... like, no, I can't. <laughs> okay. Well, thank you for the breakdown because I have been seeing so much about it. And um, people think it's some of the best television in the history of reality TV. It was incredible to watch, I will say, <laughs> because it really like I think everybody sort of thought that it would be something kind of big. But then the way that it dropped all at once was incredible. And also the fact that at least in my circles, nobody knew about this. It's yeah. not like this had been floating around the Internet yeah, for months. Yeah. Like, I think nobody really knew that Monica was reality Vontese. Like, that was <laughs> new information. Amazing. Speaking of so, new information, um, Halle Bailey was pregnant all along. Did you know? Wait, Halle Bailey was pregnant? Yeah, now she when? has a baby. With she's, who? she's been pregnant. She's she's in a relationship with this like loser rapper. You know, it's like, ugh. Why do these like Halle is the one who was in Yeah. So, so the she was pregnant tour, while she was pregnant, on the press and tour. People have been guessing because she's been wearing flowier and flowier 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 and flowier gowns and so at christmas my cousin oh my sister-in-law was like do you think she's pregnant look at this and i was like what like why would she i guess i don't care but like what (laughs) and then the new year's day like the fourth or something she releases a instagram post that was like oh yeah this is the best thing to happen in 2023 like i don't like i don't understand the secret pregnancy thing like i feel like celebrities have been doing this more and it's like what like why i think because one what's the point when you're in the public eye and you're doing press you don't want to be diminished to like oh my gosh how's pregnancy like how are you feeling oh you're getting over the first trimester oh what you're not gonna sleep for another 18 years you know i can see not wanting to deal with that on such a global level but also, I'm sure it's just like there's this sense, at least with these, Halle Bailey, for instance, in her post was like, you're never going to see her face. Like, there's this sense of craving privacy for the for the little ones. Um, and so maybe that's just like their first proof of concept where they're like, I'm not going to let anyone know you're even cooking right now. Um, but yeah, she has a she has a baby now. Absolutely, absolutely shocking. I just think about the amount of work, though, that would have to go into that. I mean, it's just picking a different outfit. Well, I mean, yes, for like a red carpet, but like you, you basically can't be out and about in the world for however many months without. Well, I think a lot of women, you don't 
you're not showing or at least you can easily disguise your showing for like a good six months. And so then I'm sure like her friends and family knew it wasn't like she was holed up in right. an apartment. But it's but like I you can't it's like... go like to dinner or st- like you're basically stuck in your house. <laughs> I mean, she wasn't, you know, that's what's interesting. And I think also, I, I mean, I-, I don't even know if it was like she didn't want people to know like how Kylie started to hide out when she was pregnant. But it's more she's not going to like make a press release about it. And like, mm-hmm. so I don't know. I, I think it is kind of weird, but it's also like whatever, who cares? Because pregnancy is such a weird time anyways. And everyone's already talking about your body that it's like, why add that to it? Um, especially seeing how cruel the Internet can be to women's bodies. Um it's more concerning that <laughs> she's saddled with this loser rapper. Oh, man. Is she terrible. the one who was doing the song with um, Chris Brown or was that her sister? Oh, that was her sister. I remember that was a, yeah. a moment whenever that was. Yeah. yeah. And it was sort of like, uh, honey, well, maybe we won't yeah. listen to this one. Yeah. Um, oh, and um, Deadbeat Boyfriends. Um did you hear that story about um, the footballer who's married to, oh my gosh, I'm drawing such a blank now. A football player. No, or like the, gym, a soccer player. the gymnast, uh, greatest goat. Oh, you know? um, uh, Simone Biles. Simone Biles. Her husband, who's a nobody, like, you know, on a nobody oh, team. Oh, yes. I was saw like, this. Oh, I'm the better. I'm the catch. Like, I'm the like better. A, athlete. Oh, yeah. It's like, okay. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, 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 Imagine. I saw I saw like reaction videos to that on TikTok of like people <laughs> telling their moms like this person said they're better than Simone Biles and I'd be yeah. like what yeah like Simone Biles like the gold medalist like yeah. her, who's her husband <laughs> I know so disgusting it's like uh, I hope they're happy I'm glad that they've I don't know found well, something uh, to like about these people but I don't get it <laughs> well also um Jonathan Majors has a new girlfriend and he like in his. Ugh post video or whatever was like she's like my Coretta Scott King which is what he's she told... he used that yes he used it again <laughs> which is this which is the same Call statement back. that he threw at the first girl at the girlfriend he was like physically abusive towards saying like that she needed to get her act together because he was a great man and he needed like a great woman to stand beside him and it's like <sighs> dude yeah tough it's tough out there dating is a uh... Absolute shit show these days. I feel like the options have gotten slimmer and slimmer. You're I mean, not even is... dating anybody. You've been married for no. I know. Years. I'm saying. I'm saying sympathies. You know, that's embarrassing oh, okay. well, to you, you and my sister and everyone else struggling through this and settling for loser dudes with fragile egos rapping about like, oh, I'm dating a girl and now she's kissing men in movies like. Shut up, DDG. Well, it's tough because some of us find good people and then our friends steal them away. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Uh, they were dating someone lovely and then a study abroad trip happened and doop doop doop. I mean, there's swiped. a few years in between that. Um, <laughs> so I disagree with the uh, sentiment, but sure. I want I just- <laughs> I just need to start stealing my friends' boyfriends is what I, yeah, I'm I mean, hearing. It, if you can, then they're not that great. So, uh, uh, 
<laughs> okay, good point. Um, one last thing I want to talk about before we get to um, love it or hate it is the White Lotus cast for season three oh. was revealed. Gypsy, which <laughs> Gypsy Gypsy Rose Blanchard <laughs> is in the cast. No, the so we knew that Natasha Rothwell, who is was the like spa worker from season one, who yeah. was like maybe going to get money from Jennifer Coolidge's character, was back is back for season three. So we knew that, but then they released a bunch of names for the season three cast and i i don't know if like there's people who just haven't been announced yet or if this is the full cast but it is the most sort of like random underwhelming group of people in comparison i feel like to who they got for season one and two like aside from parker posey being in the mix it's like the next biggest people are michelle monahan and jacek isaacs who is Draco Malfoy's dad in Harry Potter. It's like not like I'm like you could have literally gotten anybody that you wanted for this show, and these are the people you picked. Like I'm just confused. But isn't his like mo to pick people who are like undervalued and like prove that they're actually talented? I mean, like yes, in some ways, but they're people who like you've heard of and know. <laughs> you know, like yeah. if you think about last season, it's like. Aubrey Plaza, um, the guy from The Sopranos, um, um, uh, shoot, what's her face? Portia, like that actress. Like a lot of them were sort of people who were at least well known in some way, shape, yeah. or form. Like maybe in more niche forms, but and this was their more mainstream entry. Theo James, like they were most. There was a lot of people who you could look at the castles and be like, oh yeah, like I'm excited to see them. Right. Where this. It does feel like Parker Posey is that type of person who, like, you know, used to be famous and, you know, is sort of, like, been brushed aside as of late. But I thought we would definitely get some more, yeah, you know, interesting choices. Because these are just kind of random people. They're not even, like, um, you know, I thought we would get someone like Lindsay Lohan or, you know, like, something more in that <laughs> vein of casting. yeah. Yeah. Something a little bit more like exciting and odd than just like a kind of a bunch of random like character actors. Yeah, no, that is interesting. Very white. Because I mean, I like, uh, well, then there are a bunch of people because it's set in Thailand. So then there also are a bunch of like um, uh, Asian actors who are unknowns to me at least i think probably like with the sicily cast you know the italian people it's like we didn't know them ahead of time um but yeah i'm just i'm intrigued by the casting and i don't know what's happening there well sure it'll be a fun time (laughs) uh um but okay love it or hate it what do you have um so i saw the iron claw oh yes Yes. Um, but I loved it so much. And I I had heard it was depressing. And I was expecting like misery porn, like the pianist style, like everything bad happens and it's just painful to get through. And you're just broken by the end. But I actually found it like a very like sentimental film. And it's just like about – I didn't know anything about this story. Like it's about a family – famous family of wrestlers and i <laughs> the only reason i was interested is because zach evron obviously and mm. jeremy allen white congrats to him um and so i was kind of hesitant to see it but it was actually like very 
good. And like not just story-wise, like how they presented it and kind of how they um I don't know, framed it and ended it, but also like stylistically, I felt like it was a really fun nod to the 80s, which is when it takes place and it's really beautifully shot and I liked the I don't know, kind of intimacy of the behind the scenes of this sort of enigmatic family. Um, I felt like all the characters were interesting, really sad, tragic, obviously. But it was just so compelling to see like Zac Efron try his hardest, you know, and just like really sell that he just wanted his brothers around, you know. And what's crazy is obviously like spoiler warning, but honestly, maybe having a bit of a trigger warning is good for this movie. <laughs> but it starts out with four brothers and by the end, there's only one left. Um, really depressing series of events. Lots of suicide within the family. Technically five. I know. And then the craziest thing is there was another brother, but it was like too depressing and too unbelievable to have another suicide in the film that's already very depressing and very unbelievable. And so they just like, mishmashed another one of the brothers story into these other twos and well and then there's also the and then there's also the baby yeah the dead kid i know it was like oh my gosh the saddest family but i like that it was really just about this one brother realizing like he had to step away from the toxic dad the toxic family and kind of find his own haven with his children and his wife and so it ended on like a really beautiful note and i think zach efron did a really good job um the whole cast was fun to watch the wrestling aspects of it were it's always such a weird thing because it's a fake no i shouldn't say fake okay it's a rehearsed (laughs) uh sport you know it's like made up storylines and made up moves but it was like they did such a good job of like showing why it's still interesting to watch and also like watching them do it. It was just like, this is weird. It's a bonkers sport, but it was it was fun. It was a good it was a very sad time. But ultimately, I really liked the movie. One of my favorites. Yeah. I so the director is Sean Durkin, who did Martha Marcy May Marlene and also The Nest, uh, which came out during the pandemic and nobody saw, but with Jude Law and Carrie Coon. And I really loved both of those movies. So I was more optimistic I feel like going into this than I know other people were just because I liked his previous work even if I wasn't super excited about a wrestling movie I also did not realize how depressing it was going to be (laughs) when I went and saw it I just assumed it was going to be like a random sports movie and then I was like oh my gosh like this is misery yeah um but yeah I think I liked it I think they did a really good job with it it's it really is sort of being like, look at what toxic masculinity does yeah. to people. Like it has destroyed this whole family who, you know, had a lovely life, like did not need to get involved in any of this. And it was all sort of like of their own doing that all of these bad things ended up happening to them um, or to the fathers. It was like mostly the father's fault, um, or at least that's how it's portrayed in the movie. So I I thought it took like a different, an interesting angle on everything as well. Um, I like, I guess the 
I feel like a big part of the narrative of this movie are like these bodily transformations because they're all these like, you know, sort of steroidy, like super muscular um, guys. And that I'm less impressed with. So I feel like that was, I was kind of like, okay, whatever. But I do think that the movie is good and well done. I just don't know that I would ever want to watch it again. You know, it was sort of like, okay, glad that I saw that. Um, but <laughs> I don't need to see it again. Uh, super sad. I don't necessarily know if I would like recommend it to people unless that you is like. So interesting because I want to like, watch it. I like. Yeah, it's sad, but honestly, I felt more uncomfortable watching the color purple. Like the battering of the women in that film is so like in your face and constant that I was just like, ugh. Like, yes, it's fun. Yes, it's beautifully made. Yes, the music is like really potent and like fun to listen to but i was like oh man i can't watch another woman get smacked around yeah the i think the thing with the color purple though is like one the previous version was worse in that regard but also like you get to the ending and it is sort of these women like finding safety and security within themselves and within the community that they create which is like really I think affirming where I sort of had a little bit of an issue with the iron claw because I feel like it's one of those things where the, uh, where the family is involved with the production of it. And I felt like when it got to the end, they didn't quite go hard enough on the parents. And I think part of that is because, you know, like, producers on the film or whatever were the family and they didn't sort of want to go after their mom and dad but i was like for me the whole point of this movie is like look at what these like weird power structures and toxic masculinity and like these kind of like odd like faith related things where you're out side of the real world and you're sort of like in these tight communities like look what they can do to your mind and I felt like it hit those points in some ways, but then at the end, it sort of like pulled back slightly in a way that I didn't want. Um, And so I think like with the color purple, while there might be just as much tragedy sort of like in the movie, I think that the ending like really does a lot to redeem that where in the um the iron claw i was like we have seen so much terrible stuff and now we're sort of like not putting the blame squarely where it needs to go but i think that's Um, because it's like that's not the important part it's the breaking of the of the cycle that's important and i think that's why i liked it and how they handled the indian because you don't get a big speech of like you did you know like it's like as soon as the last brother dies like the Kevin has to like realize like this isn't worth his time to like worry right. about his dad to worry about like what his dad will think of him or who's the favorite or whatever like it's done and I think that was more compelling to me than some sort of final monologue where it's like dressing down the dad and like he gets his dues or whatever because instead you just have him walking into a room and realizing his house is like completely empty he's been left with nothing and like there's no power left for him to like invoke. Like there's no one else he can kind of muscle into doing what he wants. And then to instead end with like this hopeful sort of 
mourning, but also recognizing there's a new opportunity with his little family. I think that was like what really elevated it for me in the end was it wasn't as concerned about like sticking it to the man or like focusing on the cause or or the past or like wallowing in how could you do this to us? It was like, okay, it's been done. Like, what do I do to get out of it? Mm-hmm. Yeah. But, yeah. I can see that. But anyways. I mean, I did, I did like, I did like that movie. <laughs> I, I think the yeah, Iron Claw yeah. is good. It's just sad. It is. Um, sad. A movie that is not good is Anyone But You, the <clears throat> Glenn Powell slash Sydney Sweeney yeah, rom-com. It is. So I went and saw it on New Year's Day with a friend thinking that like it would maybe be sort of like Ticket to Paradise-esque level or, you know, even something more akin to, um, I don't know, you know, like the kind of like cheesy Netflix-y kind yeah. of rom-coms that we've been getting in recent years. This was so poorly written, like just <laughs> disastrously, like every line of dialogue was bad. And I know that when you complain about a rom-com in this fashion, that people like, like I also didn't like the um, uh, Jennifer Lawrence one this summer, that mm. people are like, you know, it's a rom-com. Like it's not supposed to be realistic. It's not supposed to, it's supposed to be funny. You know, like everything is supposed to be crazy and outlandish. And it's like, yes, that's true. But also I think that the best rom-coms, like while they are outlandish and sort of like their plot premise are like the characters and the way they talk and the things they say and their motivations, like do strike a chord with you as a person. It's like, is the plot of You've Got Mail realistic? Like, no. But are those characters, like, sort of real? Like, is the are the settings that they're in and the things that they're doing, like, feel like they have some realism to them? Yeah. Yes. Where this was just, like, completely deranged the entire time. Like, nobody's <laughs> dialogue made any sense. None of the plots made any sense. And the plots didn't even make sense, like, within and of themselves. So there were so many questions. There's this whole thing where... Glenn Powell supposedly can't swim because he doesn't do cardio. He only works out. But then even, and so Sydney Sweeney has to sort of like drag him around. But then at other parts, he is swimming at certain parts. He's like teaching other people to swim. He's doing like a dive. Correct. You're, you're just like, can they swim? Can't this like, <laughs> we didn't need this as a plot point. Like you added this in, yeah. but it doesn't even make sense within the world. <laughs> There's a, the opening sequence is like, Sydney Sweeney meets Glenn Powell. They at like a coffee shop, which is that's a whole nother bizarre interaction. But then they go home together and then they're like making a grilled cheese sandwich, you know, chit chat, whatever. And then the next morning they wake up, they're sleeping on the couch. Sydney Sweeney has like blue jeans and a belt on. And you're kind of like, did they sleep together? Did they not sleep together? Like never brought up. Then she she leaves, but then she comes back and she overhears him saying something and then they're mad at each other. For, it, like the whole thing just is <laughs> ludicrous. And I love Sydney Sweeney. Yeah. I really do think that she is a good actress. However, I think that she is one of those people who is good at certain things and you have to know how to utilize her. Maybe I said this on the podcast, but I feel like she has sort of Emma Roberts energy and that <laughs> Emma Roberts is great at certain types of things and cannot do others. And this was a role that I feel like Sydney Sweeney just like could not quite pull off. And then 
Glenn Powell is like fine. He's whatever. Um, like the set pieces and stuff they tried to work in didn't really make any sense. Like, yeah, the whole thing was just bad. And I hated it. And it was terrible. <laughs> You know what's interesting is I saw that it's meant to be inspired by Much Ado. Oh, no. yes. Oh, yes. Yes. No, I, I completely forgot about that plot point. It's it's based on Much Ado About Nothing, which I realized yeah. like halfway through because they keep having these interstitial scenes where there is like writing from the play like on something. You know, it'll be like <laughs> a cake and it'll have like a quote from much ado on it or like there's um like graffiti on a wall at some point that's like a Shakespeare quote and so I was like what is like what are these quotes (laughs) they sort of don't make any sense and then also at a couple of points in the movie they try to put Shakespeare dialogue into like (laughs) like you know like the more quotey bits of the play into the into the movie so there'll be a character speaking completely normal english and then just have like you know sort of eight words of a bizarre (laughs) elizabethan gobbledygook and then they go back into the america and you're like what and it took me like halfway through to realize like oh this must be based on a shakespeare play and then i was like oh okay like her name's B. That's short for Beatrice. Like, okay, that's Claudia, who should be Claudia's. You know, like, I was able to kind of be like, okay, wait, now I know what's going on here. Um, uh, but, but much yeah. to do about nothing, it's like, oh, my gosh. Like, that, the the film from Kenneth Branagh still holds up. Like, it's such a fun story. And so it's, like, wasted because it's an easy one to adapt. It's your classic enemies to lovers well, trope. isn't... So one of the it's not ten things I hate about you. That's Taming of the Shrew. I'm like one of those kind of movies is also based on much ado I don't about think nothing. There's too. one based on much ado. Is there not? What is she's the man she's is, the man is 12th, twelfth night. night. And those twelfth night ten things I hate about you. They're so fun and and like I don't know. I I don't know why these movies get made that it's like you're making it harder than it needs to be like it's a really simple story and there's a reason why a story written in 1600 still stands the test of time and it's like it's not because like a character can't swim you know like it's like it's really straightforward themes and so it's frustrating when they just can't pull it together so I'm sad to hear that it wasn't even semi-enjoyable yeah, I mean, some people have really liked it, but I'm like, I don't, I don't understand why. Like, and I would say, <laughs> like, I also didn't like the Jennifer Lawrence one, but I would say that that one had a lot more going for it than this did just because it had her general charisma. Yeah. I guess it has a 52% on Rotten Tomatoes, so that's not great. Yeah, not great. Should be lower. Yeah. Well, it's also weird because is it, I guess I'd need to see it, but are they being set up by everyone else's family and friends? Are they being teased into falling in love with each other? Cause that's like, the, that's of, the whole shtick like, of much the whole thing. It's so confusing. Cause like, <laughs> so they meet, they have this like magical sort of night or whatever, but then she is, but then she sort of like gets up and she gets startled and like gets up in the morning and leaves 
like sort of without telling him and then she comes back to get her like phone or something and she overhears him saying like something negative about her and so then they have and then they realize later that her sister is marrying his sister (laughs) and so they're stuck at this wedding together um but it's like neither of the neither of the families want them together really it's more like they decide that they're going to pretend to be together because their family members are sort of like harping on them. Like Sydney Sweeney's parents bring her ex fiance on the trip and, and they're like trying to set her up with him. So I don't she's understand like, how this is even closely related to much ado. Like I just don't It really get it. isn't, but there is a couple of scenes that are sort of like people talking behind a bush, you know, like I hope yeah. that he doesn't think this. Yeah. Um and then, so yeah, strange. I mean, I guess it is like an enemies to lovers plot line, but it's, yeah, it's really not great. I didn't yeah. like it. Okay. Well, good to know. I mean, we spend a lot of time talking about these movies, but <laughs> one's Anyhow. good, one's bad. <laughs> Both are in theaters and none of them are, neither of them are streaming. So make your choice. Yeah, I mean, they will be soon. Yeah. (laughs) They're both, they both feel like they're destined to be airplane movies. (coughs) Yeah. Um, Well, we aren't going to talk about any other um, December releases. We're going to talk about the Golden Globes. And therefore, we probably will be talking about some December (laughs) releases. But yes, under the guise of the Golden Globes, Mm -hmm. um, we'll be talking about my favorite movie about girls with big boobs, Barbie. Big boobies. Big boobies, <laughs> big booby Barbie, so um, and yeah, the the MC, the monologue, the winners, the losers, the speeches. We'll be breaking it all down on Thursday. So listen in then. See you guys later. Bye. <laughs> <laughs>